And we're back with another episode of Inside the Squad. On this episode, we talked to Chief Patrick Flanley about COVID, how we changed operations a little bit, and also some headlines he wanted to discuss. It was it was a good conversation. We're probably going to have to do a part two. So enjoy. Although we've been getting some good garage workouts in, it's well needed. Thanks for being here, Chief. Doing all right? Wonderful. Patty, I have not seen you in a while. I've been hunkering down at home. You have? Yes. I, it, it turns out I can do most of my job from my spare bedroom. Do you like that, though? I do not. No. Yeah. I feel terribly disconnected from everyone and everything. Yeah. Do you find yourself just walking from one end of the house to the other, staring out windows? No. Watching the cars go by in the neighborhood? No, that would be my dog. But <laughs> thanks. No. No. Okay. And I'm upstairs. I guess the, I'm the only one then. The steps are very steep. So, no, I stay up there. <laughs> I'm thinking have, about moving a fridge up there. <laughs> have you had to do any Zoom meetings? Sure. Did you see where a news anchor did one and he didn't put his pants on? Was That was um, somebody's son. Uh, Christopher Reeves' son? I don't know, but I thought it was great. That was just recently. <laughs> yeah. I thought that yeah. was great. Yeah. Well, I mean. In all honesty, the Zoom meetings, they need to stay. That needs to be a thing that, that sticks around. Right. Versus piling a bunch of people into a conference room to. I'm sure we'll stay. For two hours. And we'll talk about right. how things are going to change moving forward. Maybe that's a great segue for our COVID response. And then maybe we should start off by saying that we're in a very large room right now. Yes. There is. Uh, more than six feet between all of us, I would say maybe even closer to 10 to 12 feet. Yeah. Well, we got to keep Ian from encroaching upon my personal space here. <laughs> hey, real quick, Alan, you doing all right? Good. You good? Yeah. He is rocking. Although the beard's kind of coming back. He has had an uh, amazing mustache lately. I've tried the Tom Selleck and it, it didn't really work. So beard came back. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> uh, all right. I so, wasn't going to say anything. I, I I appreciate it. All right, Chief. So, COVID. Tell us about it. All right. Before we get started on COVID, we can talk about beards and tattoos as well. That was one other thing we want to talk about to see uh, maybe what the community's reaction to our change in policy is. So, we'll come back to that later. Um, yeah, I just wanted to touch base on how things were going. want to start off by saying... Thank you to our community. It's been uh, pretty heartwarming to see the the amazing support that we've gotten, uh, not just here on the law enforcement side of things, I think, but for the whole first responder community. Typically, um, in crisis events, it's sometimes the police and, and firefighters get put out there in the front, but uh, the one thing that's been really illustrated during this crisis is the the work that our our ems folks do uh, our hospital employees and and what they do on a daily basis and and how that gets amplified in times like this with with a pandemic hopefully this is uh, the one and only uh, real uh, global scale pandemic that we all have to deal with in our lifetime but i suspect maybe not uh, but then also even it's you know it's really cool just to be able to see 
all the the truck drivers bringing the food, the folks in the grocery store working and stocking shelves, and and really does make you kind of step back and think that um, although it's getting uh, it's getting worn out a little bit now that we're all in this together. Um, at least that's what my kids keep telling me because uh, we're all stuck in the same house together for the most part. But um, it's true, and I think that's why it resonates so well. And you can't you can't really appreciate something until it's not there anymore. And that's when you begin to realize it's like, hmm, I'm missing something in my life. Well, that, that's the one thing I've noticed is that, you know, although I feel sorry for those who are sick or, you know, relatives that lost their, their lives to this. But this is really going to show you what is really important in life and taking a step back and honestly slowing down. I don't know if anybody else feels that way, but really just slowing down. And, you know, for me, my goal this year was actually to spend more time with my family. And obviously this helped do that a little little more, right? But, man, just it's really been awesome to spend time with my kids and my wife and, and uh, you know, not having to rush here or there and just, again, to really appreciate what really means the most in your life. So that's what I've taken from it. And obviously – yeah. How, how do you feel about that? Anybody else feel the same? I mean, yeah, I mean, I, you put things in perspective for sure. You know, you prioritize things a little bit differently and, you know, chief's right. You know, you don't realize the things that you miss until they're gone, but then you fill those voids with things that you actually have missed and didn't realize. So, you know, I, it's a double edged sword for sure. So we, maybe we can ask, uh, Patty and Alan about some of the things that they're seeing from, from their perspective, but, uh, about, I don't know. It's, I guess it's, it's hard to keep track of time in these, in these days. That's another thing. Time just kind of seemed to, to mend. I mean, our work in, in terms of law enforcement goes on, you know, it's not as usual as normal, but we're still out there every day being a, the quote, quote, unquote, I should say, quote, unquote, essential employees. Uh, you know, our guys and gals are out there every day still doing the work. Um, I think maybe a few months ago, uh, Brian and the Adams group might have thought I was a little nutso when I sent them a text on a Sunday afternoon and told them we needed to get ready for this pandemic and wanted to check about ordering masks and, and equipment and check our stocks. And that was the day when I was – scrolling through Twitter and I was watching, I saw the news where China said they were going to build two hospitals in 10 days. And I thought, wow, two hospitals in 10 days. Why would someone want to do that? Or why would they need to do that? And that's, that's kind of when we started down this rabbit hole. And, and, and so we, we, as a, as an administration, we started to have uh, discussions uh, at that time about what we needed to do to prepare for the eventuality that the pandemic, uh, that COVID would come to the U.S. and it would affect the way that we could go about doing things. So we had plans in place in terms of how we would respond, what our workforce would do, uh, who could work from home, who couldn't, uh, for the officers that were going to have to remain out on the streets, what type of equipment were they going to need. We ordered cleaning supplies. We ordered hand sanitizer, uh, got it, all that equipment in all of our cars. Talked about how will we how would we uh, build up to this response, and and uh, thankfully, um, 
it's been it's been very effective for us, and um, we've to this point, which we're still early in this fight. We got a long way to go, but to this point, we've uh, we've weathered this very well. Uh, I think a lot of that great great thanks to our officers and to our commanders for really taking this seriously and and understanding that you know, we have to be there. It's like anything else. I mean, we talk about this a lot in training. Uh, like in pursuit training, you, you, you can, you can't help anybody if you can't be there for them. So if you crash on the way to a call because, uh, you're driving too recklessly when you're, uh, driving code three, then that's, you know, then that doesn't help anything. And, and this is, it's, it's a nice parallel for our response and how we've been preparing for that. The community uh, has done their part too, though, as well. You know, they've listened to the orders and been staying inside and, and doing what they need to do. I think it's, uh, and that's what's neat about our community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you're right for the most part. I, I think you start to see, you know, after six or seven weeks, that quarantine fatigue, the weather warms up, more people are, are, are venturing out, you know. Um, you know, I think those are some of the challenges that we face rolling into the summer months, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I... <clears throat> I think it's okay to go get fresh air, though. I mean, yeah. Now yeah. We, we've we've talked about this, Chief. Now is uh, the best time to get to exercise and take care of yourself. You know, it shows the importance of being healthy. So to get out and move, uh, but I, I mean, I'm just saying, like, you know, not going to the store if you don't need to, or finding other other uh, sources to get your need, you know, products or whatever it is that you need, or you know, not just staying inside, staying away from others, but also getting out and getting some fresh air. I think both of those are possible, you know. It is. And, you know, it's a good time to remind people, too, that kindness goes a long way. You don't need to be calling the police on your neighbor because they're outside and within six feet of somebody. Or, you know, something that you see that somebody isn't complying with a suggestion or an order it's not worth getting upset about stay in your lane and maybe take the opportunity to educate someone with kindness and if you're in a store and somebody gets too close to you don't give them the dead eye push them away and start yelling at them just say hey you know i i'm more comfortable being six feet away from you this is a great opportunity to be kind to one another and educate and not start getting on social media and calling people out that doesn't help well, it's my. That, I'm sorry, I'm off my soapbox. No, what is a, the, Are you seeing that on the on on your end? Yes, yes, I am seeing a lot of that on social media. Well, I think it's become people really need to be very self aware, yes. and this is a great exercise in raising our individual uh, self awareness. And trips to the grocery store are perfect examples of of a great way to practice exercising patience and kindness. Because it's, I, I still I don't understand the toilet paper thing and how that whole thing got started, but uh, it's just little things. I, I think people are learning to adjust to this space difference. And one of the things that I've done is is I've I've tried to uh, just when, when people do invade my space, I've tried to just step away and then wait calmly for them to do what they need to do. And then I move back to do what I need to do. And I think by doing that, I've been able to educate some people on, you know, I was here first and uh, I'm willing to step out of the way if your time is more valuable than mine. <laughs> but 
going back, yeah, it's little things like that. Going back to the toilet paper, I was listening to podcasts this week, and there's a theory that so this is coming down the pipe. So people go to the store, and toilet paper is a large item, right? And so everybody's like, "Well, I guess I need to stock up on stuff," but they just buy one. But everybody goes in that week and buys one, so that's the first aisle to become empty, right? Because it's a huge product. So it's the first aisle to become empty. And it really wasn't that people were buying multiple. It was just a lot of people come in to buy one. And then, of course, then somebody comes in. It's an empty shelf. They take photos. And now everybody's like, oh, my gosh, I got to go buy toilet paper. And I'm like, that actually makes sense. Well, so maybe there wasn't people actually buying multiple rolls. Maybe eventually. But initially, it was just everybody went to the store to prepare, bought one roll. Right? See what I'm saying? I don't know. It's still an issue in Germany. And, and, yeah. And you guys I, I, it? Yeah, it makes sense, though. No, it makes sense. No. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> hey, she just I, said I, be kind, Cap. I, I know. Be kind. I, I know. But, uh, yeah, I, I liked it. I, I think it's Thanks, just Alan. a conditioned Alan response. It. It's a conditioned response to, to decades of how uh, we as a society have handled, you know, uh, natural disasters. And, and emergency situations, whether it's milk and bread and toilet, those are the things that are that they're going to go. You're, you're going to empty out of first. See, I didn't even care about the toilet paper. It was the eggs. I went in the grocery store and there was no eggs, and I'm like, I'm going to buy chickens because I have to have eggs. <laughs> I, I don't care about anything else. City limits. You couldn't even get chickens. Nope. Then yeah. now you can't buy chickens. Can't, can't, well, can't freeze eggs. You know, I mean, you can freeze milk and bread. You just can't freeze eggs. I have to have eggs. Yeah. I'm, and I was like, I guarantee. People don't love eggs as much as I do, but they bought five cartons, and I wasn't happy. Oh, what about margarine in a tub? Yeah, What's where'd that, that go? That was gone, too. You have and to it bring ha- up For margarine. weeks and weeks. This, yeah, disappeared. <laughs> disappeared. You know that margarine is, is filled with trans fatty acids? Sometimes a, a girl drink, needs trans fatty acids. Sometimes they do. They do. <laughs> okay, but... I do. Just buy real butter. The next one that I noticed on a trip... My limited weekly trips, you can kind of see how things are going by just checking out the shells. Uh, after the margarine, I mean, the eggs, we got that squared away. We got the milk squared away. Meat is still okay, folks. There's still meat in the stores. But the latest trip I made, I noticed that there was no ramen, mac and cheese. Ramen ramen was gone early. Mac and cheese. Well, yeah, wiped it lasts out. forever. Ramen was gone early. Yeah. I haven't seen the depletion of mac and cheese. I didn't notice. Oh, How much yeah. ramen did you buy there, Chief? <laughs> well, we don't. We said we weren't going to talk about uh, CrossFit or nutrition in, in this one. So, when I went to the store, there was plenty of vegetables. There was lots of frozen fruits and vegetables, fresh vegetables. Um, yeah, I, all the areas in the supermarket where I shop, I never found anything that I was lacking for. Hmm. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> so, Salmon is delicious, though. I love the chicken. <laughs> I, I gotta say, I the last time I bought ramen was as a, a gag gift. I bought a case of it for a kid who was moving out. I think the bottom line is, is that we're not running out of food. No. You don't have to buy. Our supply chain is still intact. Yeah, you don't have to buy. You know, the store out of whatever ramen or eggs. Don't buy all the eggs. I love eggs. 
Well, you know, I, and I think, you know, what's interesting about this is we're all adjusting to it on the fly, right? I mean, you know, you, you know, we can plan, we can try to have some foresight. And, you know, like the chief said, I remember getting that text that Sunday evening and I remember stopping and going, hmm, well, is there anything to this? The, you know, what, and, you know, and there was, uh, you know, but we as an agency, the city, you know, as a government entity, you know, throughout the country, everyone's adjusting to this on the fly. So when you see these types of things that happen historically, you know, whether it's a, you know, a hurricane, tornadoes, things that strike particular areas within the country, those are localized. And it's a regional response from a state level, from a municipality, city level. But this is nationwide. And so, you know, it's interesting, I think, that a lot of the lessons that are you know, we, we can watch other states and kind of what they're doing in other cities and vice versa as to how we're handling things. And, you know, that's the beauty of this podcast is to get information out there. So, you know, maybe we can talk a, a little bit about that, Chief, some of the things that we've done. One, one of the things that we knew that we would have to do up front is to try to minimize our contact with other people uh, because we just – and, again, we're still learning about how uh, COVID has spread – uh, who is susceptible? Uh, it's it's they call it novid, novel COVID because it's there are no known uh, immunity to it for for people and and so uh, being new to all of us, man, you just you just really you really have to take a step back and plan, prepare, and and really try to think your way through this uh with and, and do it in a calm rational way and that's that's that that kind of goes against our tendency sometimes too and that's why i think we saw people making a run on toilet paper and then on other things uh, but for us um having having the equipment in place and 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 having a plan on what to do uh, and changing some of the things that 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 we typically would do in terms of how we take reports um, you know, interesting for us that we've been thinking about a lot of these things for several years now. How do how do we become more efficient in uh, how we do our jobs, and how do we provide the best value to our community for the uh, resources that they provide to us? And we talked a lot of bit about this last year when when we were discussing the low tax. But uh, one of the things that we've always uh, had a strong interest in doing is is pushing a lot of our reports into an online environment, uh, doing things uh, more uh, with a techno- technology base and with a human base um, so we can save some time, so we can recapture time and then really then reuse that time to things that we think are going to drive the needle on keeping our community safe. It's not to say that uh, when Johnny's bike gets stolen off the front porch or uh, your vehicle gets rummaged through overnight, those things, those are all important crimes, and we need to know about all those. We need to capture that data so we can make good decisions about our resources and where we deploy them and what time of day and how many and where, all these things that we think about and that we reevaluate constantly. But uh, there's, you know, there's also new ways of doing things like that, and Axon Citizen, which is one of the tools that we've rolled out during uh, this uh, COVID response, and which provides citizens with the opportunity to submit 
digital evidence to us on cases. We can call them. We can talk to them over the phone. They can submit that evidence to us once we send them a link. Uh, we're finding that community members enjoy this transaction. They feel like they're part of the problem-solving process. And I think ultimately because it saves them time. Um, sometimes people get frustrated with the police because they think it takes too long for us to get to their house or especially people that don't typically call the police uh, or have rare interactions with us. They just assume that we're always there and always ready and will be to your house within two minutes, no matter what the problem is when in reality, we're always there and we're always going to be there, but the greater the emergency is going to, is going to dictate how fast that response might be. And so for us to be able to prioritize based on, uh, on, the you know, the level of an emergency a response is going to require is 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 something that um, we can really take a new new look at and do and do in new ways and and so far that's that's worked out really well and we've had really good response to that and we'll be curious to see uh, once if we ever get back to any what we would call normal or whatever new normal is uh, what what our community's thoughts on those processes are and we we you know we we don't have really have plans to roll back some of these things we're actually going to probably double down on them uh, because we found that we've been able to do some really good things with some of this time that we're recapturing i know the officers i've talked to several of them and they said that's they've really uh, enjoyed using that tool they said it's really easy to use and like you said the public seems to to like it as well so yeah, our our uh, online reporting tool. We know it's still a little clunky, and so we're we're you know we're working with tech firms right now to improve that, and hopefully we'll um, hopefully this year yet we'll have a better solution in place. It it works, um, but it it can be better, and that's one of those things that uh, I think we've been really good at here at, at LPD is is taking chances on some things, uh, pressing forward if we. If we fall, you know, we want to fall on our face and not our butt. Uh, you know, that means we're making progress moving forward and, and we'll adjust where we need to. But a big part of our response really has been the participation of our community members. And for them, quite frankly, to follow the guidelines and pay attention to what's happening and make the adjustments on their own. And, and kind of like in every other time, 80, 90% of the population is going about doing their business, doing the right things, uh, looking out for each other. Uh, we've got a small percentage of people that drive a majority of our workload. And, and even during this pandemic response, I think we're still seeing the same thing. Um, uh, some the, the rules apparently don't apply to some people. Uh, and that's what we're there for. And, and you know, big shout out to everyone that is uh, being account- accountable and being responsible because that makes our job a lot easier and it, and it frees us up to do the things that, that we need to do. One, the, and, you know, one of the big concerns I think all of us had, and I think law enforcement around the country going into this too, is, um, you know, we're not, we really have no interest in, in policing people's uh, behaviors and that's, I mean, I know crime is a choice and it's a behavior. There's a lot of reasons behind a lot of different things, but, you know, do we want the police going to the park 
to to break up a basketball game uh, with teenagers. Uh, you know, those are all things where when it, when it hits the media or there's discussions about that, it's not you never hear the hey, guess what? Um, parents were allowing their their 15 year old kids to congregate on the basketball court. Um, it, you know, in, in non-compliance with with the governor's stay-at-home order, it was the police break up kids playing on the basketball court. You know, and it, it's always I'd always find that interesting how the narrative. You know, the police always seem to wind up in the spotlight in these things. And um, well, it's because it sells. Well, it right? does. You know, and sometimes we're our own worst enemy too. I mean, you know, uh, but you know, those cases are. There's so few and far between. The problem is, is that you know somebody makes a, you know maybe an error in judgment, and it's it's going to be all over the, uh, it's going to be all over the media and nationally. I mean, the, I mean, one of the first ones that I remember seeing was the police officers in Philadelphia pulling the guy off the bus who wasn't wearing a mask, and you know, and they show a 15 second clip. And that's it. And so the impression that's left after that story is that the bully police go in and uh, drag some poor guy off of a bus for not wearing a mask. And what we don't know is what happened leading up to that incident. Um, If there was a rule for wearing a mask, why wasn't the guy wearing the mask in the first place? Why did he have to make a decision that would then force the bus driver and others to call the police? Uh, Why wouldn't he just heed to the bus driver's guidance to exit the bus or wear a mask i mean that clickbait's not going away and i think that we have like you said that 89 percent of our community i think they understand obviously those 15 second clips for anybody you look at it even us we're like man that doesn't look good but i think they understand that there's a backstory and there's more to it and hopefully you know most people which i'm pretty confident is most people aren't making just a knee-jerk reaction and like oh yeah that's that's definitely there the police's fault or whatever so and I'm, I'm always talking about that when i go out do talks and whatnot that hey you know try not to monday night quarterback when you see these videos you know because again police work it sells right i mean every every movie it seems like or series is about police work and so uh you know that's what we're seeing in the media but the bottom line is is you just can't make that you can't just watch that video and, and make judgment on what occurred, right? And, I, again, I think most people aren't doing that, but that's what sells, clickbait. Don't don't get wrapped up in it, right? Well. I wonder how much mo- – what's that? I said yes, sir. Well, everybody's being all quiet. I'm trying to – are you okay? I'm, I'm great. She's been stuck in her room too long. She's like, I really don't have to talk to anybody when I'm in there. Well <laughs> – I mean, I, I, I think what asking, can they see me right now? Can they, can they see me? <laughs> what, what, what impacts some of those, you know, and, and, you know, I, I know that this may not be a particular avenue that we want to go down, but there are some states that have enacted much more, much more strict, you know, guidelines. And, um, and that unfortunately does put the police in a position of kind of a lose, lose. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't disagree. I mean, it's. I mean, we don't. We don't. We don't different. have. We don't have beaches to close here. We don't have subways here, where you know you you may be requiring people to to wear, 
you know, if, you know, some type of a mask when they get on there. I mean, it just there, there's challenges that some of those uh, the, some of those larger cities have that we don't have. Here, here's the thing, too, though, is that how many interactions are we having on a daily basis? And then there's that one incident. And the, I think when we look at the like the one chief was talking about, you know, that's one incident in how many police contacts Millions. happened within those minutes, right. you know? And so really in the grand scheme of things, I believe our partners across the U S are making appropriate decisions. They're being, they're using common sense, you know, they're not dragging somebody off of, but you know, whatever. I don't know. I wasn't there. I'm not Monday night quarterback and those guys. I'm just saying, I think they're making the right decisions in the moment because people are calling us for those fights because they don't want to get involved. And they know that the police will handle it, which we will. But, I think, again, I think my, our partners is 99% of the time are doing the right thing, and, and you're not going to hear about that. Right. right? And, you're going to hear about that one incident, you know, and that's why. At, you're, gonna hear about the, you're not going to hear about the 99% of our citizens who are following the guidelines correct. and the ordinances. You're yeah. going to hear about the one vocal person who has decided that this is, a, this is something that's taking away his rights or whatever, um, because those are the people that are vocal, and, and those are the ones that like to rile things up. It's like most of us, I think, are pretty sensible, and we understand that the danger is not necessarily to ourselves but to others, and human nature is, be, you know, looking out for the rest of society that's what society is is working together towards a common goal yeah absolutely and lafayette you know i can really only speak for the lafayette west lafayette area but our, our community they're doing the right thing you know we're or what, what did you say we're, we're in this together i know it sounds cliche but i mean it, we are everybody's doing the right thing and so we uh we've been very fortunate you know thank you continue to do what you're doing we're we're dealing with it too and, you know, try not to again go back to those clickbait articles of that one incident that occurred, you know, again, out of a gajillion contacts. What's the percentage of that point zero 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 of how many, that actually? How occurring? much is a gajillion? It's a lot. It's got a couple zeros on the end. Is that more than a trillion? <laughs> is that like a hundred? It's more than I think one, it's, one, it's, it's, one ten, thousand it's ten trillion? times bazillion. It's the, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Sure there is a Patty. You're welcome. But right. Is, don't you feel the same way though? I mean, you cannot. That's yeah, and one contact. And and so that also brings up some interesting uh, discussion points. I brought in a few uh, headlines with me that some head scratchers over the last couple of weeks. And one of the um, one of the things that always kind of gets under my skin a little bit is when you uh, when you hear things about um, you know. I mean, hey, this is a perfect. You know, we, everyone's concerned about COVID, right? Especially if you, if you're in a in a stuck in a place that's confined spaces, and you have comorbidities. Certainly, our our elderly population. I mean, that's you know that's really if you're young and you're healthy, um, you you know you're really not doing this for yourself. You're doing it for your community, and you're doing it for your loved ones. And that's what's most important. And I think sometimes that's where we also get a little bit frustrated is when we see people that are a little self-absorbed and that just put their self in front of everybody else. Um, One of the ones that I I see this, it seems like every time there's an opportunity to talk about this, it comes up. And I started, I saw it starting to trend on Twitter about we need to, you know, it's, it's, we need to get uh, people out of prisons. It's not fair for them to be in jail uh, during 
pandemics. Um, they're they're at great risk in there, especially your your nonviolent offenders, your nonviolent drug offenders, and um, that. Um, while I think there are some nonviolent offenders that are in prison, I, I, one of the things I always kind of want to educate people on, or just ask them to to step back, think about this a little bit. What what does it take? You know, who actually winds up in prison? I'm even talking not even necessarily county jail, but in prison themselves. I mean, it's uh, our our justice system is is very fair, it's very balanced, and it's very forgiving. Um, unless you do something incredibly egregious as a first offense, um, there's very few first-time offenders in jail. And I think when we, I think sometimes people don't necessarily look at what what is a drug offender in jail. What does their career criminal profile look like? And I think a lot of times we like to, especially if you're in favor of legalizing marijuana or uh, you know people find that fairly innocuous or a large percent of the population does and they think well oh my gosh it's crazy we've got you know you know kid college kid gets caught smoking a joint and and now he's doing hard time and he shouldn't be in he shouldn't be in the joint for smoking a joint and uh, <laughs> you know it's just, and it couldn't be further from the truth i mean it's it's very very difficult for us to get people into prison it takes a long time and you got a lot of make make a lot of mistakes and and so when i hear things about uh nonviolent drug offenders being released because uh the concern that we have for them being in prison i'm not saying there shouldn't be concern but I, but i also have to i have to look out for the victims too and i have to think about all the work and all the effort in the victimization of our communities and, and one of the headlines um I, that caught my attention was it was from uh, Seattle PD or from Seattle the Seattle Times and it's you know a couple committed over 200 burglaries to support their their drug habits and we used to we got into a lot of these discussions when the opioid epidemic really hit us hard a few years ago and you know I, I for those of us that work in law enforcement I think we understand that there is always uh, that that problem is really it's been there and forever and. Um, it's a serious one. And I'll, I, I remember having a conversation about someone who was, someone had a, had broken into a business and it was, you know, they were kind of down on their luck drug offender and, and they wound up going to jail. And the argument was that, you know, this, you know, this person had some individual circumstances that, that um, really should have mitigated the 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 fact that he committed this felony and wound up in jail and while i think all those things are are fair to consider one of the things that often gets lost is well what about the business owner and what about the people if, if i don't know maybe and i ask people this all the time i may have have you ever been the victim of a burglary while you were in your home where someone's broken into your home and how long do you think it takes people to recover from that? Yeah. And luckily, most people say no. Most the people that I have talked to about that, fortunately, very few have actually had that happen. But for those that have, they never recover from it fully. It's something that's always there. Absolutely. Uh, they're always thinking about. And so that leads to security cameras and, and dogs and 
checklist and and you know that I hear that bump in the night and is it just a normal bump in the night or is it someone in my home so uh, 200 burglaries that's a lot and now well, we're not even talking about how much time and effort that public safety puts into that we did we did an exercise uh, here when we were just trying to uh, really pin down how much time we we hand, we we work on every call how much re, how many resources are dedicated to it and you know an average burglary invest is going to require anywhere from uh, if it doesn't have enough information for us to do continuous follow up on you're looking at anywhere from four to six hours of of work of of man hour work that goes into it uh, if if there's anything that can possibly be followed up on it that it's next going to go to probably twenty to thirty hours per burglary. Uh, and if it's something where you've built a case now and it goes to the prosecutor's office and it gets, you know, it works its way through the, the criminal justice system or, you know, you, uh, a simple burglary where someone, they break into a business and steal a pizza. Um, sure, it doesn't seem like a big thing, right? But the cost to that business owner whose trust has been damaged forever and the cost to prosecute a case like that through the whole system, not from the the prosecutor or DA perspective, but just to collect the evidence and go through that, that that's, it's time consuming and it, it, it's expensive. So, yeah, I, yeah, it, you know, I, I definitely want us to think long-term about things like this. And all I kept coming back to was like, there's another reason not to go to prison, right? Do the right thing. And then you don't have to worry about, you know, what might happen if, you ever do wind up in prison you, you do bring a, a good point i mean there's a handful of people i could think of right now who have a, a laundry list of arrests and they're still not in prison and you know the amount of people like you said who have who they've victimized and yeah maybe they weren't violent crimes but i mean the amount of arrests and time and i mean you they they really do have to do a lot and commit a lot of crimes before they actually get some prison time. And that is lost. But I think it's, excuse me, it's just like, it's just like with the whole scene of video, right? People see that quick, quick little article or whatever video and they automatically, oh, man, they were wrong. So they see that little article. Oh, yeah, nonviolent drug offender got 20 years. Wow, that's ridiculous. And they don't add the 50 arrests that he had before that, right? And so, you know, it's just education, right? Doing a little research before you make a, a decision. Bingo. Education on, on our part, too, compared to what law enforcement was doing 15, 20 years ago. And that's why we're here. Outreach and, and crime prevention and educating the public and this podcast. It just came full circle. I, I, had, to, <laughs> I had to bring it there. Sorry. You're right. Well, and that- and so I think sometimes that when you talk about the reaction that people have just by saying that, you know, it's, we're it's sometimes the the snap judgment is is that the complete the police are not compassionate, they're not empathetic, and I don't think that could be further from the truth because uh, it is it is the police that are out there on the front lines dealing with the same offenders day in and day out. Nobody more than us. Uh, you know, outside of the families, wants people to get the right help that they need uh, so we can keep them 
out of prison and out of jail. And so that's where, again, Lafayette is such a great place because we do have a lot of caring people. We've got great support mechanisms in place. And I, I, again, but you know, we don't want to lose sight of, of the process to begin with. And, and I never want the victims to always, you know, to feel like they're, they're the last person that gets any attention uh, in these types of offenses. And so that one really caught my eye because we, we know that we have offenders around here that you know, you, we just don't, you know, yeah, I'd like to say we're good and our clearance rates run well above the national average, especially when it comes to burglaries. But it's, it's, it's not easy always to, to catch and arrest a burglar and, and it's usually not on their first, their first offense. And, and so, uh, well, my guess is that's not the only crimes they've committed either. Absolutely right? not. I mean, and when, going back to, sorry, being compassionate out of those, you know, that those 50 arrests that, that guy in prisons had, I, I would guarantee there's what five more arrests that could have probably happened, but you know, maybe he had a, just a little bit of drugs on him and down on his luck, like you said, and, you know, using officer discretion, the officer's like, you know, okay, we'll go ahead and, you know, knock it off, but we'll destroy this for now and, and get to walking. You know, I, I guarantee that's, that's occurred there too. So yes, our partners are compassionate. We don't want to just see somebody just sit in prison forever. If they do have a drug issue or whatever, I mean, we recognize that, but sometimes, you know, you're, you're forced into like, no, I mean, this is the way it's got to go. If you can't make it, make so a change. Wait. Why are you smiling? What's that? Why are you smiling? He was I, smiling I was smiling at, me. at Patty. Oh. Because but, right, I'm a nice I mean, there's, there's, more, so there's so the ram- much more to it. Well, so some of the ramifications are, and I guess this is what I want also people to think about. You know, sometimes these decisions can, you know, they have uh, downstream negative outcomes. And uh, the, I think it was the day after, it was either one or two days after that story came out. There was a story out of Florida from the Hillsbury County down there where they were forced to start releasing uh, folks from from their jail for quote nonviolent drug offenders and uh, was a Joseph Williams, a 26 year old, was the day after his release was arrested for second degree murder, uh, possession of firearms, possession of heroin, possession of para- paraphernalia, and you know our you know the one that we're used to is the resisting law enforcement because. Uh, you know, that's, you know, people that have been to prison and don't necessarily want to go back and really don't have much to lose. I mean, that's, you know, those are the ones that present the greatest risk to the officers out on the front lines. And so, you know, that was, you know, a really good example of of a bad outcome. And I think sometimes people that have good intentions, um, I think we need to think some of these things through a little bit better and don't, and again, just because, we're in a pandemic doesn't necessarily mean that we need to make ir- irrational decisions. And, um, it goes back to the irrational decision to buy 10 packs of toilet paper on the, on the shelf. Um, I think in stressful times, we all can be prone to making, uh, decisions that we probably wouldn't make in, in other circumstances. So again, for us, uh, uh, you know, again, uh, that's another thanks to our community because things have been going well. Uh, you know, one of our concerns here locally 
has been domestic violence. That's been a question that's come up. We've seen that on the national scale too. If if there's been a, a trend upwards in domestic violence, uh, fortunately so far, I mean we do see a small uptick. Uh, but but it is something that we're keeping a close eye on, and we that's one of those things that we do ask family and friends make sure that we're looking out for each other. Make sure you know that if if you have. Uh, a family member or a friend or a neighbor or someone that, that you know has been a victim of uh, domestic violence and abuse to, you know, we're, we're still here. We're still working. We're, you know, we're, we're out there every day. We've, we're not taking time off. And um, so when we see that stuff, make sure you report it. Don't, don't assume someone else is or don't assume someone from that house is. Uh, those, are, those are things that we want to stay on top of. And that's just another reason or another example of why connections are so important to maintain, especially when we are forced by situations to be physically distant. We can still be socially present for each other. So people who are normally alone are even more alone. Um, you know, if you've got time because you're you're not running around to soccer practice and everything else, take that time and check in on an elderly neighbor or relative or just, you know, someone who you think might appreciate you checking in. Connections are so very important. Yeah, I, yeah that's an excellent point, Patty. And I mean, I, that, and I, I, you know, take it a step further. You could talk about, you know, some of the impact this is having on people's mental well-being. Right. And, you know, what ripple effect that's going to have in the months, you know, to next year for a lot of people that are, you know, unfortunately quarantined for a particular reason and, you mm -hmm. know, just are not having that social interaction. Okay. We and, need it, to and, if, and if they're in crisis, what should they do? What should they do? What should they do? Reach out? Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of services out there for people that – you know, if they're going through a difficult time and they're struggling for them to, to, to call and so that they can talk to somebody. Right. Yeah, all those resources are still there. And actually, I had someone reach out to me here that, uh, and they let me know that like their, their therapist wasn't able to see them because all that stuff got shut down. So obviously that was affecting them in a big way. And, you know, they reached out and I did what I what I could and there's other resources, right? But so you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's a good zoom call. Well, yeah. you know, and that, and that's, you know, just imagine for, you know, a lot of, a lot of people with preexisting you know, health conditions that are having to do a virtual visit with a doctor over the phone, you know, uh, and you know, what do you walk away from that? How do you feel about that afterwards? You know, mm -hmm. it's not the same. It's not the same as going to a doctor's office and, and having that interaction and feeling that level of comfort. So a lot of things have changed for sure. No, but it's awesome that we live in a time to where we have the technology to FaceTime and not just right. talk, right? If it, so if, I actually if get it to wasn't see. for that, we would have gone back in time uh, 60, 70 years to you know World War II times where we had rationing because things weren't available, where we are dependent upon uh, people being – uh, self-sufficient mm -hmm. grow your victory garden people because that's the only way you're going to get your food or buy chickens or buy chickens you know people have to cook their own food now they might have to sew their own clothing cut their own hair uh, 
you know. Th- th- yeah. If yeah, it, so there, there are some people cutting their own hair around yeah. here. Just, <laughs> there are. Or should be. And they, then they shouldn't be. <laughs> they shouldn't be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll, so that br- brings me to my last headline that I want to talk today because this is, again, this is one of those, uh, I'm sure it's, I don't even know if it's clickbait, but it was, and this was from uh, Newsday. And it says, Long Island police officials concerned about suspects spitting on officers during pandemic. And uh, do we have to take can you just take that last two words off? And that's a headline. Yeah. Well, wouldn't you be worried about people spitting on officers year round? And I know COVID is certainly scary. And that was kind of the uh, in the uh, article. It said, uh, you know, when when you spit on someone or cough in their face, you put the officer at risk and you put their families at risk and uh, discussing an intentional assault. Well, and that's that's always been the case. I mean, we go through this training annually. It's mandated training for us, state mandated training, and we have to refresh on it every year. Is is going through uh, uh, training on how to protect yourself from bloodborne pathogens and these types of things. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, you have the hepatitis alphabet that's that's been out there, uh, HIV and AIDS, um, any you know seasonal flu. Uh, you name it. I mean, it's it's all out there, and we all have to protect ourselves. So, so I just want to say that it's it's never okay to spit on anyone at any time. <laughs> you heard of, it here, folks. <laughs> you heard it here first. Public service announcement. I'm curious. Did you click on the article? I did. See? You, those are what, they added those last two words mm-hmm. because that's what's relevant. It's COVID, and, and it's police, and then obviously well, during that's why COVID. I, I mean, to talk just, about it on the podcast because you know I I just think it's uh, a good opportunity to educate. Absolutely, you just everyone on you know these are things that police officers face on a on a on an everyday basis. And and you know sometimes people justify that behavior because they feel strongly about something, whether it's a social protest or something. Where and again, this is where. I go back to, you know, be careful about what you what you ask or want the police to do. And and if you can take some individual responsibility and and stay in your own lanes and do what you're supposed to do, all of us, then we can reduce the 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 conflict and those opportunities where things like that can go sour. And and, and, you know, that's, again, you know, our. That's our that's our number one priority is is to protect the individual rights of all people, and um, it doesn't matter what side of an issue you're on. The police tend to wind up in the center of all issues uh, when people on uh, on opposite opinions can't get along in a in a civil way, and and, and then the police wind up becoming someone has to keep the peace and that's one of our roles and sometimes when things turn violent then you know police have to use violence to quell violence and never plays out well but it's never okay to spit on somebody so think about don't use don't use a pandemic as an excuse for bad behavior absolutely but again again i i go back to i'm confident that most people are are good people and they're you know yeah, it, that's one incident. Don't don't read that one article and and judge, you know, or come to some conclusion like, oh, 
I don't know. Just yeah, don't get caught up in the clickbait. So we can most watch, people are good uh, people. John Krasinski's uh, his YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that good, one's really good, cool. Good News Network. The Good News Network. Oh, does he have one? Oh yeah, it's fantastic. I'll Just good news. Out. I'll oh, check that. Yeah, I mean. And it's it's doing well. It's probably because it's one of the it's only you know one of a kind. You well, and he was amazing else. as Jack Ryan. Let's just let's just face it. I'm I still have Jim from the office. He'll always head. be Jim. So yeah, he'll always be Jim. You can't beat Jim. Like, I mean, Jack Ryan's all right. Sorry, buddy. Jim. It's yeah. If you're hearing this, that'd be cool if he was listening to this. Let's invite him. It's yeah, we might. We're gonna invite him. I'm gonna reach out to him. Do you know what we're talking about, Cap? I do. He's been doing some really cool stuff on social media with uh, hosting proms for you know high school seniors that weren't able to go, and I think he's getting ready to do another special for graduation for high school seniors that are have missed out on that opportunity this year. You're, you're cool. shocked that I know this right now. Aren't A you? little bit. You are. I'm actually. I, I appreciated his Boston accent in that. Super Bowl commercial. Did you see that with the car? It was one of those cars. Oh, where it was uh, backing Snap. up by yes, yes, that yes, part. Yes, yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. Who else was in that one? Uh, oh, it was from SNL. Captain America. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. Captain America. I can't think of his name. Yeah, Evans. Chris Evans. Chris Evans. There you go. Well, we're, I'm going to invite him too. Well, Why not? so that's Why not? what. In terms of ending on a positive note. I mean, I'll talk all day if you want, but on a on a positive note, these are some of the things that will be my takeaway uh, when we do get on to the backside of this pandemic is that there it's been very heartwarming to see this bringing out the best in a lot of people. And um, that's that's what's going to get you through this. And there are no guarantees in life. Right. Um Maybe you guys have traveled internationally, uh, but when I was uh, much younger and got to travel the world when I was in the service, I'd, I've been to a lot of third world countries and I've been to places where people just don't have a whole lot. And I think it, it goes back to the beginning of our conversation where sometimes you don't know what you miss until it's gone and then and then you miss it. But if you've never known it in the first place, uh, hard to miss something that you've never known. And the freedoms, the liberties the healthcare system, the people that are always going to be there to pick you up when you fall down in the United States. Uh, that's why we're the greatest country on this earth. And, uh, it's, it's been amazing to see what we've done for each other. And, and that's what I'm going to think about on the backside of this. And I think hopefully we'll learn from this as a country and we'll learn from it as individuals. We'll, we'll have, uh, those, um, stores set up in our houses to survive for three or four months if if a hurricane or a blizzard or something hits we'll we'll take it seriously we'll have our toilet paper supplies in place so we don't need to make a run on uh on target or walmart or wherever so so with that you know having a good community this is we are changing this is changing the way we operate and understand that and hopefully work, you know, work with us because, you know, the days of an officer showing up to every single call is dis- going to disappear, right? Is that fair to say? Not that we don't want to be there. I'm just saying that you please expect and, and when we say, hey, 
can you do this? Can you go online and, and fill out this report for us? You know, in those circumstances where there is no suspect, it's not a violent crime, it's not happening in the moment uh, because our officers are utilizing that time and these resources to go deal with this other incident. So expect that to happen, you know, asking them to, to help us by taking those photographs and using that, that new system, the Axon system, to send us that digital evidence. You know, those changes are hap- they're here, and like you said, we're going to double down on it. So please expect that. Don't think it's because we're not wanting to show up. It's just because we have to start. We're growing, right? The city's not getting any smaller, and, you know, we got to be able to utilize, and the agency's not getting any bigger, so we got to be able to utilize those resources in the best way possible. And so we're making these tiny changes of, you know, again, you helping us serve the community the best way possible and, you know, doing a report, whatever. That's just an example. So be prepared for that. We're making changes. And, you know, like you said, we've been wanting to do these for a while, but now this has kind of forced us to do it, uh, you know, now. And it's been working. So, and then also there's something else I wanted to add. Oh, you were talking about how people were making knee-jerk reactions and whatnot. Do you think that you as the administration made the appropriate decisions for this this COVID? And you said it's been going smooth, which I totally agree. But do you think you've made all the appropriate decisions? I think so. And we, we reevaluate almost on a daily basis. I can tell you this, that I – I think we might have waited a little bit too long to go to our mask-wearing policy when we almost lost a, a half a shift, which probably would have led to losing a whole shift uh, to quarantine for exposure when uh, when we had a, a false negative uh, test result. Um, and this was early on in the process, so we that, that, at that point we decided that it was just didn't make any sense for us to take uh, any chances whatsoever. So. And and we had plans to wear the mask. We were just wanted to make sure that we were making good use of the resources that we had to make it last as long as we can. And uh, and you know, fortunately, we're very well stocked. We're well supplied, and we've had a lot of community support with that as well. Um, if, if that's the one, if I could change one thing going back, we would have started wearing masks about two weeks sooner than we did. Yeah. Speaking of community partners, Freckles, thank you again. They made masks for us that we've been wearing. They're they're an awesome community partner. So if you do need masks, they're not N95, but it's a alternative mask that we've been wearing. Reach out to them. But uh, no, I think things have gone gone well, and people have adjusted appropriately. You know, it's, it is different wearing a mask, but got to do what you got to do, right? Yeah, and, you know, there's a lot of organizations out there in our community that have shown us a tremendous amount of support over the last six or seven weeks. They really have just been extremely generous. And I think the only thing that I would add is, you know, just a shout-out to our brothers and sisters that are on the front lines that are answering the calls every single day, um, working hard and under difficult circumstances. And, um you know they haven't uh, they haven't changed you know what they're doing and it's kind of changed a little bit how they're doing it and then you know obviously we mentioned all the healthcare workers you know the doctors and the nurses and you know everybody in the stores keeping everything stocked and geez, I mean it's truck drivers driving the, it to yeah, us yeah I mean the people that are still getting I mean mm-hmm. you know your your garbage gets picked up right each week you know That's they're still right. out there and it's just those are people that are not recognized I think enough during times like this. Amen. 
We'll end on that good note. Thank you. Thank you to everybody. Man, this is good. I'm enjoying it. We'll bring you back, Chief, because I know there's some other things that you wanted to talk about that we'll uh, maybe we'll discuss that for next month's podcast. Is that including UFOs? You want to talk about that next well, month? I want to talk about UFOs. All right, we'll save that for next month. Boy, keep you in uh, yeah anticipation to come back. But uh, I do want to say, follow us on on Instagram and Twitter, Lafayette INPD. We are still accepting applications, right? Right, Cap. We are. Yes, we are. So get online, LafayettePolice.us. If you and, and don't forget the city Facebook page too. City. City Facebook page. Patty, go ahead. I'll let you. City Facebook page. We, we, got, we are on so many channels. We've got Facebook. We have Twitter. We have Instagram. We've got YouTube. We've got, of course, our website that we keep. Uh, we stood up a, a coronavirus COVID-19 page specifically for information, community information on the crisis, on the pandemic. Um, so any of those places, and, you know, it's easy to find us. Alan, you want to talk about the uh, IT Facebook page? We is there one? No, we don't have one. <laughs> we try to stay I just quiet. I'm trying to end on a joke is not a good joke. <laughs> but I bet he will talk about scuba diving. Yeah. We'll talk about yeah, if that ever comes back. You know, we did a I did I was involved in a Zoom meeting today with with Alan and he's <laughs> Can I can I talk about your backdrop? He's is that like an an F fourteen? It is. It's an F fourteen jet, and it. So you look at Alan, and he's basically sitting in F fourteen with two other F fourteens flanking him on either side. It's just really cool. It's a promotional uh, picture from the new Top Gun movie coming out later this year. Yeah. Your, oh, nice. So your mustache, then it's a goose dash. Yeah. Could be. Uh, yeah. Right, goose. yeah. That's your new nickname, Goose. I, I was jealous. I was very jealous. Yeah. Uh, Brown was too. He wanted to know where I got that. Yeah, that's super cool. <laughs> Can you give me one of me like riding a T Rex or something? Uh, That'd be they cool. Got, they got, awesome. <laughs> they got <laughs> Tiger. They got right? Tiger King. T Rex. I don't want Tiger King. I don't want any of that. I'll take a T Rex though. I'll see what I can find. I appreciate it. All right, folks. Have a great day. And we're out. This has been Inside the Squad, a podcast from the Lafayette Police Department in Lafayette, Indiana. Inside the Squad is a community outreach podcast and is hosted by Specialist DNO Shields and Captain Brian Phillips of the Crime Prevention Unit within the department. On today's show, our guest was Chief Pat Flannelly. We discussed the COVID pandemic and its effect both on the department and the community. Production assistance has been provided by the City of Lafayette IT Department. You can email us show ideas or questions at podcast at lafayette.in.gov. Also, join us on Instagram, Twitter, Nixle, and Nextdoor. Thanks for listening.